Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver coming to you live a couple of uh, a couple hours uh, uh, earlier than usual. But first, I just wanted to get this out of the way. I appreciate, greatly appreciate all the incredible birthday wishes out there. Uh, really, really appreciate from everybody on social media, uh, text, email, uh, calls, the whole bit. Appreciate everybody out there. And I'm actually going to be doing a segment at the end of today's show. It's the, the rare, I always say, Every year, I do one segment that's all about me, and that's when I predict the Tennessee Vols football schedule. Well, now it's not necessarily about me because they're nationally relevant, so I could put that aside and say, here's my one that is all about me, Bryson Carver, and that is I just turned 20 yesterday. So the I'm going to give the 10 things that I want to see happen before I turn – or during my 20s, rather. During my 20s, I want to see these 10 things happen. Also going to get into a ton of sports today. Shohei Otani. Uh, we are running out of adjectives to describe this man, what he is doing uh, for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And uh, safe to say he's going to get a solid, solid contract once uh, once the winter rolls around. Looking forward to getting to that. Also, Derek Carr issuing some damning comments about the Las Vegas Raiders, or, you know, they used to be known the Oakland Raiders as well, the Raiders organization, and why he left, why he is in New Orleans now, and they speak a lot about who Vegas is as an organization, who they've been for the last two decades. I'll get into that uh, later in the show as well. So again, loaded show for Carby Up Live. Also, Damian Lillard met with the Portland Trailblazers, and there's a lot of media reaction as to the comments made by Joe Cronin, the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, saying like, hey, you know, we're, we're committed to building a championship contender around Dame. And a lot of folks rolled their eyes like, oh, boy, they're going to try this again. That, to me, does not guarantee that Dame is still coming back. I'll get to that in my second segment of today's show. But first, news that was just like a late birthday present to me. According to Chris Haynes, one of the most plugged-in insiders in the NBA, NBA star Kyrie Irving intends to meet with the Phoenix Suns when free ag- with the free agency period begins on June 30th tomorrow. League sources tell NBA on TNT and Bleacher Reports. Oh my goodness, Phoenix. Matt Ishbia in particular, the owner, the new owner of the team. 
please do me a favor and make this happen. It's 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 gotta it's gotta come through. It's gotta come through. Kyrie Irving to Phoenix. So first of all, they financially cannot just sign Kyrie without getting him, you know, without just well over exceeding the the luxury tax. Even if they want, let's just say in the hypothetical they wanted to make this move, it would have to be in a sign and trade. And my guess is you'd have to get three or four teams involved. You you have to get the Mavericks involved, obviously, because Kyrie just played there. You'd have to get some other teams involved. Maybe Toronto is looking to ship off assets. Is Pascal Siakam on the market? We'll see about that. A uh, Fred Van Bleet uh, could be on the move. Could there be a sign and trade involving him as well? That that's all to be worked out potentially as soon as tomorrow or in the future. That aside, I want to just, I just want to read this tweet again, just 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 to just to drive home the point. According to Chris Haynes, NBA star Kyrie Irving intends to meet the Phoenix Suns when the free agency period begins on June 30th. So I said when the Phoenix Suns made the Bradley Beal move two weeks ago, they traded for Bradley Beal, brought him in. Uh, they gave up, obviously, Chris Paul. They gave up Landry Shamit, some picks to get Bradley Beal in the building. And I gave the stat. Unfortunately, it is not updated since, again, Kyrie Irving is not currently a member of the Phoenix Suns, but I gave this stat about two of the Phoenix Suns stars in this big three that Kevin Durant has played 44% of his games since the 2019-2020 season. Bradley Beals played 63% of his games since the 2019-2020 season. So obviously, by that you know, they're not available much. And they want to bring in Kyrie Irving. And the beauty of this is, if they were to make this move, you know why I'd have to also have to be involved in signing trade? You have to move DeAndre Ayton. Now, for the record, I've never been the biggest Ayton fan. I didn't think he should have went number. I didn't have a show at the time, unfortunately. I didn't think he should have been the number one pick in 2018. I was a big Trey Young guy going to that draft. Obviously, Luca's proven to be better, but I think it's safe to say Trey has been proven uh, has proven to be better than DeAndre Ayton in the long run. But uh, he is an 18 and 10 guy on 60% shooting. Like the guy's not a scrub. He's not a bum. Is he Jokic or Embiid? No, of course not. Those are MVP level players. Uh, He's not Anthony Davis. He's not some of these other top centers in the league. So let's, let's just sit back for a moment. Should they make this move? Here's the starting lineup for the Phoenix Suns. Kyrie Irving, who's 6'2". Bradley Beal who's 6'6", six, six. Devin Booker, who's around that same height range as well, Kevin Durant, 6'11 and a half, and Bismack Biombo in all likelihood, probably becomes their center if they bring him back because you'll have to give up DeAndre Ayton. Let's see. Kyrie can't stay healthy and is a locker room cancer and everything he touches turns to mush. Bradley Beal has never proven himself to be a winning basketball player, and he can't stay healthy. By the way, Kyrie and Beal, neither of them play defense, an ounce of defense. Devin Booker is a serviceable defender and is most available. Actually, the least amount of questions for him, but it's just another guard who has similar games to Bradley Beal and scores as well as Kyrie. Kevin Durant has size, right? He's probably the best defensive player in that starting lineup, but uh, he plays half his games in the last four years. And then Bismack Biombo, whoever the heck their center would be. Does that um that sound like a championship team to you? It is. I understand. I, I honest to God, I do. 
And this is the case to a greater degree, by the way. I'm not saying that Kyrie is in the same galaxy as this dude when it comes to weirdness. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown stuck around the league for a way longer than he probably should have. Why? Because the dude was really, really good. But it got to a point in time when you had the when he ran off the field in New Jersey when they were playing the Jets. It was like, okay, that's it. Like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know. And by the way, I hope not for Kyrie's sake that we do have a straw that breaks the camel's back and ends his career like it did Antonio Brown. By the way, Antonio Brown's a way worse human being than, than Kyrie Irving. I don't think Kyrie Irving is a horrible person. I think AB's a, a terrible human being. It blows my mind how team after team after team thinks they can change this dude. I don't blame the Boston Celtics for making the move they did. Why? Because they, they didn't know. Heck, none of us really knew. They make the trade for Kyrie Irving. We're like... Dang, Boston just made the Eastern Conference Finals. They added arguably a top 10 player in the NBA. A guy who had an amazing 2016 Finals. Obviously, he hit, don't remind me as a Warriors fan, the game-winning shot to win that series. Boston's going to be good. And they added Gordon Hayward. Then you have, obviously, they make a Conference Finals without him. When he got gets hurt, he comes back the following season. They get bounced in the second round in emphatic fashion against the Milwaukee Bucks. He leaves Boston. Goes to Brooklyn. Now, Brooklyn's aware, okay, there's some locker room stuff in Boston, but hey, new environment. We team him up with his buddy, Kevin Durant. It can work. It could not have been more of a disaster with the Brooklyn Nets. They won one playoff series. When Kyrie and Katie joined, they were together three and a half years, went to, or not went to, won one playoff series. Kyrie was hurt the first year. Had the uh was got hurt the second year, by the way, in the playoffs. Uh two took two weeks off, and we found out he wasn't really doing what he said he was doing in his two-week absence. The following year, vaccine controversy. The year after that, the whole anti-Semitic film controversy. So they trade into the Dallas Mavericks to trade that for the record. I was like, eh, I don't think this is gonna work that well for Dallas. Oh, I know actually it was it was, it was as big of a disaster as there's ever been in Kyrie Irving's career. He joins a team that when they made the move for him, they were the fourth seed in the Western Conference. They went 6-11 and 11 with him in, in games where he and Luka were in the starting lineup, and they failed to even make the play-in tournament. It reminds me of the, the person, be it a guy or, or, or a woman, who is really good-looking, Right? Yeah, you know, say if it's a guy, uh, you know, it looks like uh, George Clooney. If it's a if it's a woman, looks like uh, Angelina Jolie. But the person keeps getting dumped over and over and over. They're still yeah, very nice to look at, but yeah, they're 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 kind of they're a lot. <laughs> they can be a bit of a headache to say the very least. But they keep getting opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Why? The obvious. The same thing with Kyrie. The obvious. He's an incredibly gifted basketball player. Man's averaged 27 a game in, since he left Cleveland on nearly 50, 40, 90% shooting. Kyrie is a fantastic basketball player. He's not a good defensive player, but hey, not that many guards are. I'm not going to knock him for that. He's got, and I will go to my grave saying this until proven otherwise, until I see some somebody else who can, who can boast this claim. He has the, with all due respect to Steph Curry, Jamal Crawford, and Allen Iverson, Kyrie Irving has the greatest handle I've ever seen. He is gifted as an offensive talent. But he's not a winning basketball player. How many more teams are going to take a chance on this guy? And Phoenix, they are the absolute last team 
that should take this risk with Kyrie. KD, who I think has high basketball intellect, he, he wants to he wants to try this again. That they they already did this with, with with James Harden. Now I get it's four guys in Brooklyn as opposed to three. I'm sorry, four guys in Phoenix as opposed to the three in Brooklyn, where it was KD, Harden, and Kyrie Irving. But uh, they only won one playoff series. They moved Harden, got Simmons. We've seen how much of a disaster that's been. Kyrie leaves, then KD leaves, and that's all we all she wrote for the Brooklyn Nets. For a guy, you can tell. You can tell Matt Ishbia hasn't been in the NBA all that long. Because the man obviously is not aware of how to build a basketball team. Look at NBA history. Top-heavy rosters with essentially no bench. If I could pull up this, this uh, it's, it's not a graphic, it's just a couple of notes I have on my phone from uh, the last show. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, it was regarding the the uh, cap space in Brooklyn. I don't have it here, but uh, it was talking about how the three, the four guys with KD, Aiton, Booker, and Beal were taking up like seventy five percent of the cap space. And you look at their bench; it's like Isaiah Todd, Campaign. Campaign's a nice player, but uh, if he's your six man, eh, eh. with that group, that's just another guard who doesn't play defense. It again, I will say the same thing now. And by the way, listen. Phoenix hasn't made the deal yet, but the fact that they're even meeting with Kyrie tells you they're considering it. It blows my mind. A lot of things about this blow my mind. But again, like I said, when they made the Beal trade, the NBA, like all leagues, is a copycat league. I'm about to talk about Shohei Otani later in the show. Don't be surprised if you see some teams take a chance on potential two-way players from overseas or even here in the States because of the success of Shohei. The Denver Nuggets won a championship with a, as I call him, super-duper star, arguably the best player in basketball, Nikola Jokic, an all-star level point guard in Jamal Murray, very good wing role players like, like Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. didn't play well in the finals from an offensive perspective, but he, you know, he, was, he was good on, on the boards, a okay defensive player, KCP, veteran, can shoot, can play defense. Jeff Green, good veteran presence, can knock down the occasional three. Bruce Brown, who was invaluable to that team, small guard, but plays his, his tail off on defense and can knock down the occasional three. And the Phoenix Suns, like all the other teams in the Western Conference, look at that and like, okay, that's how Denver won a championship. Denver says Phoenix sits back and you're like, you know what? We're going to build our team the exact opposite way. Please, Matt Ishbia, if you are listening, Please make this happen. I said as a Warriors fan, because of course the Golden State Warriors, like the Lakers, like the Nuggets, to a very less, much lesser degree, the Suns are championship contenders. Please, Matt Ishbia, make this move. Because I said when the Beal trade was made, well, I guess the Warriors don't have to worry about the Suns anymore. If they go through with this, they trade it. Basically, their only productive big for a guy who I talk about Jordan Poole's locker room cancer, he ain't got nothing on this guy. He, he's, he's got nothing on this guy. The Suns will be officially out of championship contention. They will have a zero. You heard that right. Zero. Put that up. Percent chance of winning an NBA championship in 2024. Barring a midseason trade. That's the only caveat. 
But if this is the team that they play the entire regular season with, roll into the playoffs with, depending on the matchup, I'm not so sure they win a playoff series. Please make this happen, Matt Ishbia. I'm begging you. A couple of comments here. Let's see. My thoughts, my opinion. Sports podcast. My man, Devin. What's up, Devin? He said, what's good, bro? Not much. Just uh, reacted to some crazy news in the NBA. But, hey, the NBA never is short on providing us headlines. There's no question about that. Uh, Devin, this team is an all-star lineup that will be a first-round exit. Still no bench. Not just no bench. Very little defense. Essentially no size. Kevin Durant's 6'11", but he's not a big. Like, we don't look at, we can't look at Kevin Durant as a perimeter player. That's his game. By the way, no length. Oh, please. I want this to happen so bad, you have no idea. I want, oh my gosh. Please make this happen, Matt Ishbia. By the way, those watching on, on YouTube and Twitter may say I've got this Warriors hat on. Big shout out to my sister. This was a birthday present uh, from her. Uh, she got this. It's actually the Warriors draft hat uh, from 2023. She got it on the the NBA shop or somewhere, or the Warriors store. I can't remember. Uh, but she got it for, for me for my birthday. So shout out to you, sis. I really appreciate the gift. Had to, had to rock it for today's show. I may rock it for tomorrow's show since we're doing a carving it up NBA free agency special. So more on that later on today's show. But next topic. So there is – this is the third – I've been doing carving it up live. I always say live. I've been doing carving it up for three and a half years. Been doing carving it up live for about two and a half. This I would I would constitute as the third story that seems to go on forever, and I just kind of get fatigued by it. The first is the and, and by the way, in all three instances, at least in my estimation, the answer to the problem, the answer to the story, is quite obvious. The first story I can think of in this regard is the whole Dak Prescott-Dallas Cowboys contract negotiation uh, controversy that lasted seemingly forever. It's like, Dallas, you were garbage the year before Tony uh, before Dak Prescott was drafted. Romo got hurt. You went 4-12 with basically the exact same roster minus Zeke. You bring in Dak. He's successful, makes two playoffs, wins two divisions, wins a playoff game against Seattle. Very productive quarterback. Not Mahomes-level Brady, but... Crap, who is? And you're like, ah, I don't know what you pay him. And the longer you wait, the price goes up because the market goes up. You just wait and wait and wait. And I'm like, for the love of, just pay him or trade him. And they finally paid him. Took him long enough. Second story, similar situation. Lamar Jackson. It's like for the love, Baltimore. You've surrounded him, aside from Mark Andrews, with virtually no offensive talent. An offensive coordinator who was, yes, beneficial for him his first couple of years in the league, but also kind of an albatross the last couple of years as he developed as a pure pocket quarterback. And they kept waiting and waiting and waiting to pay. And then finally this offseason, finally, they gave him his money. This is a similar situation. Not in that it's a contract dispute. It's not that. It's actually quite different. Damian Lillard. Now, for the record, like Dak, like Lamar, I'm a huge Damian Lillard fan. I, I became, I always said in the show, I became, I always liked Dame, but I became a Dame fan when he hit the walk-off shot from 37 feet out to beat Oklahoma City to advance the Blazers to the second round, and he just stone-cold face. His expression didn't change one iota. He wasn't jumping up and down. Not that there's anything wrong with that or beating his chest. 
He just hits the shot, walks away. The arena's going nuts, and he just calm, just bye-bye. Just waves goodbye to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm like, man, this dude is cold. I, I, I like this guy. I became a Dame fan ever since. And I talked about a Monday show that there was an impending meeting between Dame, his reps, and the Portland Trailblazers front office. In particular, Joe Cronin, who's the general manager of the team. And Joe Cronin, if I can get the statement out uh, from him, by Joe Cronin, the, the general manager of the uh, Portland Trailblazers, Hang on. Joe Cronin Blazers. Sorry about this. Okay. So he said after meeting with Damian Lillard, he said, quote, in a statement, I met with Dame and Aaron Goodwin, Dame's agent, this afternoon. We had a great dialogue. We remain committed to building a winner around Dame. That's that's the statement. So in a nutshell, and short, sweet to the point, wasn't this big, long thing? You know, we want to keep Dame. We want to build a title contender around Dame. And I've been on the record saying I don't think there's ever a year that Damian Lillard has been with the Portland Trailblazers that they have been serious championship contenders. Not even 2019 when they got to the Western Conference Finals. You say that's revisionist history because they got swept. It's not just revisionist history. Golden State was the far better team, and Portland survived a very young Nuggets team by the skin of their teeth. And, of course, Golden State swept them out of the playoffs, and they haven't been, I don't think they've won a playoff series since. So you have that aspect of it. Just throwing this, throwing this out there. I don't think that this necessarily means that Dame is 100% staying in Portland. Because he says, we remain, we remain committed. So we are going to do whatever we can to put the necessary pieces around the Portland Trailblazers to make them a, to make us a championship contender, to build a title contender around our guy Dame. Now, Again, for numerous reasons, I don't think this makes an ounce of sense. Again, like the Dak and Lamar situation, it's like, just pay him. They're your guy. You're garbage without him. Especially Dallas, right? You're, you're, you're nothing without those two. It's a very different Portland. It's like, guys, you've got three really good young players. Like, really talented. You got Shaden Sharp, you got Anthony Simons, and the kid you just took, third overall in the draft, who I love, by the way, Scoot Henderson. That's a great young core with, by the way, a young, good developmental coach in Chauncey Billups to help develop them, to help build around them, build them as pure talents in the NBA. You have the most sought-after asset in the 2023 offseason in Damian Lillard. God knows what you can get in return for him. And you're sitting on your hands. You're just, just waiting. Let's we'll see. Maybe, you know, um, see if I can put a contender. Bad news for Portland. And I invite all of the audience, check Portland's offensive rating, offensive points per game, defensive rating, defensive points per game. All of them, I'm 99% sure about this, all of them are bottom five in the NBA. So what, a Jeremy Grant is going to make a difference? Heck, even a, a, in a hypothetical world, a Zion Williamson trade will make a difference and make them a title contender? Dame has even said, hey, I want Draymond Green. Reportedly, Draymond Green met yesterday with Dame at a restaurant, which to me, what that says about Draymond is he's the same thing with Sacramento. He's trying to drive the price up on Golden State. Very smart negotiating tactic by Draymond. Okay, let's just say they had, let's just say in a made-up world, they had Draymond, Grant, Zion. Two of those three. So let's, let's say Draymond, Jeremy Grant. So you got... 
Dame, Scoot, Simons, Sharp, Draymond, Jeremy Grant, and then you got obviously Yusuf Nurkic as well. That's like your best seven-ish players. Does that sound like a title contender in the West to you? The Lakers are still better. The Nuggets are still better. I think OKC is going to be a, not a championship contender, but they're going to be a problem this year. The Kings are better. Now, if Golden State loses Draymond, we're done. Like, we're not we're not a contender this year. I've been on the record saying that. They're probably a playoff team. Maybe, maybe, depending on the matchup, maybe win a series. That's about it. It'll be typical Portland, middle of the pack. They don't suck, but they're not really, we don't look at them as, oh, man, they could, they could really hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy this year. What I think this is for Dame is it because Dame is he loves Portland. He's made that abundantly clear. He loves Portland, and Portland loves him back. He's looking for every possible avenue to stay. Remember the quote when when Giannis won the championship with the Milwaukee Bucks back in 2021, and Dame was talking about I because because it meant a lot to Giannis, right? It was the team that drafted him, a team that believed in him when nobody else did, and he led him to a championship. Like it it it, it does hit different if it, if it's a team that drafted you. So why, why, why it meant a lot for LeBron in Cleveland. If Steph in Golden State, Jokic, well, you couldn't tell with Jokic, but Jokic in Denver, I would imagine. And Dame said, no, I, I want to feel that. It's the team that drafted me, the team that believed in me, me and the fan base and the organization to become like family. I want to do this together with them. It'll mean more there. I get that. Dame is looking for every possible avenue to stay in Portland. And in doing so, he's giving the organization one last chance to put the proper pieces together. I'm having a hard, hard time seeing a scenario in which they're able to do that. I know Paul George has been floated on the trade market. He also struggles with injuries. Uh, again, Draymond would help. He would. But Draymond isn't going to be the difference as Portland's currently constructed. With other teams, it's different. But currently constructed, Draymond is the difference between third pick in the draft, and championship. Or championship contender at the very least. I don't think one move for the record is. A Zion, a Jeremy Grant, a Paul George. Just throwing that out there. So, my takeaway is, if Portland doesn't put the necessary pieces around Dame this offseason, then around maybe early to mid-July, he'll say, okay, it's time, let's move on. Which to me, that's that is the that is easily the most obvious move for Portland and for Dame. Again, this is a situation where we want a guy to leave somewhere because we want him to go flourish somewhere else, and the 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 organization will just be garbage. With that, no, 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 no. Dame gets to play for a contender for the first time in his career. Dame is a winning basketball player, unlike Bradley Beal or Kyrie Irving. And Portland gets to go all in in this rebuild with. <laughs> the young kids they already got, and then whatever assets come with the Dame trade. It's it it is it is it doesn't make sense to me that this hasn't already been done. I don't get it. Dame's looking for every avenue to stay. I respect that, but there comes a point in time where man, he's got to plunge. It's it's better for both sides to move on. I, I always use the Kevin Garnett. No, Kevin Garnett's a different person from Dame. Everybody's everybody's different. But KG said the biggest regret is of NBA career was not leaving Minnesota sooner because he won in Boston in 2008, got to another finals in 2010. It was like, man, this is fun. By the way, remember LeBron James 
was playing in Cleveland. Oh, he's loyal to Cleveland, right? He wants to win a championship. We're talking about the first ten, obviously, in Cleveland. Then he goes to the 2008 Olympics with Melo, with Dwayne Wade, with Kobe Bryant, with Chris Bosh, and he's like, dang, I want to play these guys. <laughs> and you saw what happened. He went to Miami, teamed up with Wade, who was re-signed there. They signed Chris Bosh, the Heatles, and they won two championships. Bro, I was like, man, this is way funner than going out in the second round and everybody blaming me for it with terrible rosters. Again, it's it's painful when, again, three stories that I could not wait for to end. The Dak contract situation, Dallas, guys, pay him. What are you going to be without Dak? Your dysfunctional franchise, you can't find quarterbacks in high, you know, in the first round outside of Troy Aikman. Draft Dak. The second thing, not draft Dak, pay Dak. Second thing, Lamar Jackson, guys, he won 75% of his games, and you've given him nothing offensively. Pay the guy. And now, Damian Lillard, very different uh, answer to this problem. Trade Dame, he plays for a contender, you go on, all in the rebuild. By the way, Portland's been a team that typically rebuilds pretty well, kind of like Utah. I, I don't understand it for the life of me. You could be the next Portland, by the way. Who knows? Let's see. Uh, Devin, I don't believe that I, uh, you can, can... Whoa, got way ahead of myself there. I don't believe you can build a championship contender and keep surrounding him with young players. No. Typically, young teams don't win championships. They don't. Uh, I, I know I did a... I, I did... When I was I was talking about the 2021 Lakers. Remember 2021 offseason when they traded for Russ? They signed Melo and Trevor Ariza and Rondo and DeAndre Jordan. People were like, oh my goodness, look out for the Lakers. It's like, no, they're all old. They're all really, really old. AD's not old, but he's can't stay healthy to save his life. Like, that wasn't going to work. And I did something. I don't know if I still have my notes somewhere where it was average age of the last, at the time, last 10 NBA champions. And all of them were in that sort of 28 to 31 range, the age of the team. And the Lakers were like, on average, like 36 years old. It's like, no, this is not going to work. I'd like to know what Portland's average age is. I mean, they are young. And Dame, by the way, let's, let's be real, man. Dame's moving out of his prime. In the next two to three years. Like, this is the moment to capitalize on it. I don't get it. I really don't. But, again, I don't think those comments by Joe Cronin necessarily mean that Dame is 100% staying in Portland. I think he's giving them one last chance to build a contender, which I think is impossible to do. I don't think one offseason is going to do it. And he moves on. That's what I think happens, but we'll see. By the way... Uh, here's here's some free agency stuff. See, free agency starts in 25 and a half hours, basically. Starts at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, which beautifully, thank you, NBA, thank you, Adam Silver, is, of course, when carving it up outside of today, typically starts 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. So tomorrow, all the free agency news are going to be coming in. There probably going to be some trades, some sign-in trades, these big contracts to, to certain guys. The carving it up. 2023 free agency special is tomorrow at our usual time. Again, today's a little bit of a weird one. Got some some other sketch, some scheduling conflicts, so I want to do the show uh, still at a different time. But tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, the Carving It Up NBA free agency special. We'll have some guests on uh, to talk about uh, all the deals because we know every year, and I never it never ceases to make me laugh. This is why I think the tampering thing is ridiculous in the NBA. 
Like, you know, oh, you can't talk to players for other teams. It's like, come on. Free agency technically, or I should say, negotiations for free agency technically starts at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific on June 30th every year. That's funny. Within five seconds of 6 o'clock hitting here in the East Coast, this person signed a deal, this person signed a deal, this like yeah, yeah, I'm sure they negotiated a deal in five seconds. A multi-million dollar contract. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I love it. Every year, I get a kick out of it. Uh, see, this is my man, Dev. This is my guy right here, Devin. Blazers average age, 26.87. So about 27 years old. That's relatively young for a championship. Now, again, I know Golden State in 2015 was around that age, average age of the team. Uh, appreciate you on the flight. Uh, help me out there, Devin. You're the man. Uh, but again, take poor, take uh, Dame off of that. What is Dame? 33, maybe? I mean, Dame, Dame's, again, his prime does, it doesn't have a whole lot longer. Now, his game's going to age well because he's a, a great shooter. Uh, Dame is 32. When's his birthday? July 5th. So he's going to be 33 in a couple weeks. That's usually NBA players prime is usually about 30 to 35 ish. Unless you're Steph Curry or LeBron James, then it's going to extend further than that. But yeah, shout out to Devin though, for the quick, just on the fly stat. I appreciate that. Um, no, but some free, no, but in all seriousness, some free agent news though, Dave McMiniman, who's covered LeBron for the longest time, covers every team he plays for, in this case, the Lakers. Uh, according to Dave McMiniman of ESPN, the Lakers will waive Mo Bamba and not pick up the team option on Malik Beasley today, sources told ESPN. L.A. plans to stay in contact with both players' representatives throughout free agency and could find a different deal structure for Bamba and or Beasley's return to L.A. If I'm the Lakers, I'm trying to keep Bamba first because it's a good backup big for Anthony Davis. Now, he himself has struggled with injuries, but again, he's in more of a reserve backup role. Uh, I have actually suggested for the longest time. Now, this would be obviously mean moving Bamba into the starting lineup, but I've said for literally two years on carving it up live, move AD for Dame. Just a straight up. Maybe you have to include some picks here or there, but you get LeBron, a guy who's physically reliable for the majority of his career, a great shooter, a great scorer, something that AD is not consistent. There's a reason that I call him coin flip Davis. Every year, every game, you have no freaking clue what you're going to get from a production standpoint. Now, Dame doesn't give you in the defensive end what AD gives you. I understand that. But defense wasn't really the issue. Matter of fact, I'd argue defense is what got the Lakers to the Western Conference Finals. They had scores, but they ratcheted up their defense when they made all those offseason trade, or sorry, uh, trade deadline moves. So I definitely keep Bamba. Beasley, listen. I'd at least make an effort. You know what Beasley is? He's a shooter. What does LeBron love? Shooters. I'd at least make the effort. I, I understand he had a rough playoffs and had some had some tough games there. I get that, but uh, yeah. By the way, uh, the Dallas Mavericks are really active right now in terms of could they add? Uh, oh my gosh, Andre Drummond. I know there's there's already some stuff that they might go after Mo Bamba. 
By the way, they took the kid, uh, Derek Lively, who I love, but I think Derek Lively is going to be really, a really good NBA player. Uh, they took him out of Duke in the draft uh, through a trade, I believe it was with Oklahoma City. So, listen, size has always been an issue for Dallas. I remember during the Western Conference Finals a couple years back, their starting center was Dwight Powell, who's like 6'9", and not much of a rebounder, kind of a liability on defense, played limited minutes. They're trying to get bigger, you know? Which I respect because interior scoring was interior defense was always an issue uh, for Dallas. So I, you know, I respect them trying to to patch that hole up in their roster. Okay, let's let's do something I don't typically do outside of October. Let's talk about Major League Baseball, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying this. I really don't. Honest to God, let's talk about a guy who is. By a mile. By like LeBron in his prime by a mile. The best player in all of Major League Baseball. And we've always had this debate. You know what I love about Major League Baseball? It's still kind of an open debate between many people as to who's the greatest baseball player of all time. NFL, it's obviously Brady. NHL, it's obviously Gretzky. NBA, it's between two guys, MJ or LeBron. I don't think you can really make a case for anybody else. Maybe Kareem, but I think it's, in my view, Braun, MJ, distant gap, Kareem, distant gap, number four, where I have Kobe. Baseball, it's a bunch of guys. Some say Babe Ruth. Some say, I heard someone say the other day, Roger Clemens. Just Roger Clemens was a monster in his prime. Uh, Barry Bonds. There's a lot of guys. Ken Griffey, before the injuries, was incredible. A lot of guys you could throw out there is in that argument for greatest uh, greatest player in Major League history. I'm not listening. I, I think it's too early to go out and say, hey, is Shohei going to be the greatest ever? He, he can. He absolutely can. But I think it's a little too early for that. <laughs> I saw this. I want to give credit to where I got this this um, this stat sheet from. It came from Jeff Passan of ESPN, uh, who's kind of like their – think of Passan as their Woj, uh, the Woj of Major League Baseball. He put this on Twitter, and it 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 doesn't even make sense. It's it's like a player you created on MLB The Show. According to Jeff Passan, since May 30th, here's where Shohei Otani ranks offensively and defensively. Since May 30th, he's batting 396. That is third in Major League Baseball. On base percentage, 480 first. Sluggy percentage, 792. That's first by a, the Grand Canyon. He's in first slugging percentage at 972. Second place is 683. The man is 300, basically 300 points ahead of the next guy. Home runs, 16. This is since May 30th, first. RBIs, 31. Since May 30th, first. Stolen bases, four. Walk rate, 14%. Strikeout rate, 20%. ERA, 326. Strikeouts per nine, every nine innings, 11. This dude, not that we didn't already know this, is a freak. It's... It, I talked about the Denver. Remember, I mentioned earlier in the show about the Denver Nuggets. How it blows my mind that Phoenix isn't trying to build their team, and other teams aren't trying to build their team around. You know, kind of like Denver did, kind of like Golden State did a year ago, Milwaukee the year before that, because it's a copycat league. Copy sports is all about trying to compete with the best and do what the best are doing. I still wouldn't be shocked 
if teams in the future decide to uh, go ahead and, and, and try and find uh, two-way players, listen, good luck. I wish you the best. They're not going to be this good. Unless Shohei is like Steph Curry and totally changes how baseball is played in that regard. But the other night, and the reason I'm doing this segment, and also due to this, the stat that I saw from um, from Jeff Passan, the other night against uh, the Angels were playing the White Sox. Shohei Otani went deep twice and struck out 10 guys. So he is... Um, he is Max Scherzer in his prime, in his prime Mets fans, chill out. And he is his teammate, Mike Trout, as an offensive talent. It is, we have never, forget baseball. I don't think we've ever seen anybody like Shohei Otani in the history of sports. American team sports. Now Gretzky, you can make that case just because he was so much better than everybody else in the history of hockey. But again, there's the old, um, I've seen people on social media say, it would be like if Patrick Mahomes is putting up the production that he is now at quarterback and then lines up a defensive end and breaks Michael Strahan's sack record. Gets like 20, 20 sacks a year. Like that's the equivalent of what Shohei is doing. Shohei is doing the most important thing, which is pitching. You can't, you cannot win a World Series without great pitching, particularly in the, in, in the starting rotation. And then preferably, obviously, you have to have some good arms in the bullpen. He's, he's, his ERA is like barely over th- three. Again, can I can I please? I, I just just this is just for me. It's just for me. I have to read over the the stats since May thirtieth again. Since May thirtieth, Shohei Otani is batting three ninety six. Has an on base percentage of four eighty. His slugging percentage is seven ninety two. Second place is six eighty three. He has sixteen homers. 31 RBIs, four stolen bases, 14% walk rate, 20% strikeout rate, three, uh, 26 ERA, and 11 Ks per nine innings. I try to give you guys, honestly, I really, every segment I do, I try and give you a, a way of looking at something that maybe you've never thought of before. I, I don't really know. There's certain athletes that come around they defy explanation. And what's even greater is that when Shohei first entered Major League Baseball, if I'm not mistaken, was it 28? Yeah, it was 2018 because there was all these teams going after him. I remember a lot of folks saying, and definitely this really ramped up when Shohei had, had uh, Tommy John surgery a few years ago. They said, you're going to have to give up one. Either you're going to have to be a great pitcher or a great hitter, great offensive player. Shohei, Shohei said, screw that. No. I'm going to be both. I'm going to be an ace. I'm going to be a, 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 a power hitter. And hit for average, by the way. I, I've never seen anything like him. I don't think in the history of sports we've ever seen anything like him. He is, great comment here, Devin. He's a robot. Remember, I, I used to call Tom Brady a couple of years ago when he was freaking in the MVP conversation at 44 years old, putting up insane numbers. I said, Tom Brady is, I used a lot of nicknames for him. I called him the great outlier. I also called him a, uh, a, the human cyborg. It, like he's a cyborg. He doesn't make sense. This guy, <laughs> this guy, it, listen, the kid from Miami, 
to me, who's hitting almost 400 this season. Uh, Arias, I think is how you said Luis, Luis Arias. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, to me, he's clearly the favorite to win MVP in the National League. Uh, I don't even know how you make a case for anybody else in the American League. I think this should be a Steph Curry in 2016 unanimous MVP. Like, I, by the way, I heard somebody say the other day, was it? I think it was, I mean, you know, I'm gonna call him out by his name. I think it was Craig Carton on FS1. Craig Carton, <laughs> they were talking about all these things Shohei is doing, and he said, Hey, talk to me till when he makes the playoffs. <laughs> what? If we made that same case, Mike Trout wouldn't have any MVPs. But it, listen, football, I get it. If Mahomes was put, which it'd be hard for Mahomes to put up the numbers he's putting up in Kansas City not make the playoffs. But let's just say in a made-up world, a different universe, Mahomes was through 50 touchdowns and the Chiefs won seven games. Let's just say that for sake of argument because their defense was just like horrible. Would we really be sitting up here and saying, ah, yeah, I got to see him make the playoffs first. First of all, there's fewer playoff teams in baseball than the NBA and the NFL. Now, of course, they've upped it now to, to 12. It used to, it used to be eight. Then they moved it up to uh, 10. Now they're up to 12 because the extra wildcard team in the American League of the National League. Listen, where are the Angels sitting in the, in the, um, where are they sitting in the wild card picture? I'm in my Red Sox. We, we lost a couple to Miami. It really hurt us. Okay, yeah, Angels are only a half game back of a wild card spot. So they absolutely could get in. There's no question about it. But I, I don't know. I heard I heard Carton say, talk to me when he gets the playoffs. I'm like, really? That's your takeaway? The most unique player we've ever seen in Major League Baseball history, and that's your takeaway? Come on, man. Be better. Hey, th- this, this guy is, we've never. <laughs> hey. Wow. They call him Showtime for a reason. And by the way, let me just use this as an opportunity. I should have brought my Red Sox hat. This is very clunky. Shohei, we'd love to have you in Boston. You can help us bring many, many more championships to the Red Sox. Okay? Listen, as I always say in carving it up, the Yankees owned the 20th century. The Red Sox have and will continue to own the 21st century. Who has the most championships of anybody in this, in the 21st century, you guess it right. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is the Boston Red Sox, followed by the San Francisco Giants. There you go. Okay. We're going around the all around the place. So we got an NFL topic as well. Derek Carr. So what's one of my fit the things I always say in the show? There's three quarterbacks that I defend like crazy on this show. It is Dak, it is Lamar, and it is Derek Carr, who's now the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Um Derek Carr was doing an interview and he was asked about his departure from Vegas, which as we all know was as, as mishandled as one could possibly imagine. Remember Derek Carr at toward the end of the season, I think it was second to last week of the regular season. uh, They benched him. 
I think it was a game against the 49ers. They started Jarrett Stidham against the 49ers against the Chiefs. They benched Derek Carr to save the money in caps to, to save them cap space. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. For nine years, you cannot give this man a top 20 defense. You can't give him any stability at head coach or an offensive coordinator. You can't give him any stability in terms of some of the, the, the guys you put around him, Antonio Brown and Henry Ruggs and, and some of his other teammates have gotten in trouble for numerous things. Oh, and by the way, they play in probably the toughest division of football from the quarterback in terms of the quarterback position. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bench you. We're gonna bench you in the last second to last week of the regular season. And uh, as you would imagine, as anybody would, Derek Carr didn't take to that too well. Derek Carr said, "Quote: uh, Once they made my wife cry, that was pretty much over. Once they made her cry, that was out. But the love for my teammates is what probably would have made me do it." So basically he said, I was done. And then, again, there's numerous other quotes where he's, he's alluding to the fact, like I was already done with the Raiders. Like when they benched me, he was like, okay, screw y'all. I'm, I'm out of here. But he said it was like, it, it was it was official. When his wife cried at the news, he's like, okay, I'm done. That That's it. Vegas out or DC out. And now he gets to go to an organization in New Orleans, which is historically well, well run. If New Orleans had a good, not even a great, a good head coach, I'd pick them to to win the NFC South going away. Uh, th- that's it. They clinched the division in early to mid-December. Like, this isn't something where it comes down. But I, I think Carolina has a tremendous coach in Frank Reich, a good defense, and some nice offensive pieces around Bryce Young. I'm a little skeptical about Bryce due to his size, but I think he can, he can have a solid rookie year. Atlanta is horrible on defense, but they're loaded on offense. The question is, how good is Desmond Ritter? And then you obviously have the Tampa Bay Bucks, who I think are in rebuild mode. The Saints should win this division. Again, this has everything to do with my lack of faith in Dennis Allen. I forgot. I heard his record. Isn't his head coach record like 15 and 38? And ironically, he was Derek Carr's first coach with the Raiders. It's like, man, I I can't get rid of anybody in Vegas. But Derek's obviously happy in New Orleans. Again, historically well-run franchise. Mickey Loomis is, is one of the better general managers in the sport. They've got, again, the Benson family has always been great. They've got a, a plethora of good wide receivers. We'll see if, if Alvin Kamara comes back rejuvenated, ready to go, solid offensive line, and a pretty good defense. Like that, given how weak that division is, the Saints should win it. If they don't, it's probably going to be because, because their limitations at head coach. Be that as it may, he's still in a way better position than he was with the Raiders. <laughs> I've said for the longest time, and I don't think they, I've, I've always said the Raiders are the franchise in the NFL. We think of poorly run organizations. We think about Houston and Cleveland and historically, although I think they're going to make the NFC Championship game this year, Detroit. I've always said Dallas. I mean, look at playoff wins. Dallas is near the bottom since they won their last Super Bowl. Can't even make a conference championship game. The Raiders, to me, are the one franchise that does not get the credit that they deserve for how horribly run they are. Since, so 2002, the Raiders actually made the Super Bowl. They faced their old coach, John Gruden, for one of the greatest defenses of all time, the 0-2 Bucks, and Tampa Bay just smoked them in the Super Bowl. We had Rich Gannon, who was the MVP of the league. Like, there was a really good Raiders team. Jerry Rice was on that team. But Oakland got smoked by Tampa Bay in that Super Bowl in the, in the 0-2 season. Since the following season, 2003, since then, so 20 years, we have 20 years of evidence and data on this. The Las Vegas Raiders are 116 and 206. 
That is second to last in the NFL to, you guessed it, Cleveland. They have two playoff appearances, both of which they were one and done. 2016, they lost to Houston. 2021, they lost to Cincinnati. It's an ownership group led by Mark Davis that has no idea what they're doing in terms of hiring the right people, sticking with them. Again, there, there has to be not just hiring the right people, sitting back and letting it marinate. Not just, okay, it didn't work, fire him. Like, listen, I don't love Jack Del Rio that much as a, as a person. I, I don't care too much for him, but he was a solid head coach in Oakland. And they moved him the second they had an opportunity at John Gruden, who hadn't coached in the NFL in 10 years. And how did that work out? The second Gruden got out of there, they had their one solid head coach in Ritz Passaccia. They were six and seven, went on a four game winning streak, made the playoffs. Derek Carr had a great year. They lose to Cincinnati, but no shame in that. Cincinnati was a couple minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. And they now they say, oh, we don't want Rich Passaccia. We want Josh McDaniels, who has never had a winning season as a head coach in the NFL. And here's the Raiders today. No Derek Carr for the moment. Not No Josh Jacobs. Devontae Adams is pissed off at the organization. And we're not even sure if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play. And he was their big free agent get. Not to mention their defense is still abysmal. And they play in a division with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and improved Russell Wilson now that he'll have Sean Payton. This, to me, feels like a two- to three-win team. They do not get the credit. And by the way, I'm not out here saying Derek Carr is like a top-five quarterback. He's not. He's like, let me assume my top-ten quarterbacks were in the NFL. I think I had Carr at 10th. Let's see. Yeah, there you go. I had Derek Carr as the 10th-best quarterback in the NFL. In this order, if from 1 to 10, I had Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence. I got a lot of flack for that the other day, by the way. Allen, Hurts, Lamar, Rodgers, Dak. Herbert Carr. I got Car Carr above guys like um Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. I would take him over guys like that. Again, you when you consider what the man dealt with in Oakland. God bless him for being in an organization like New Orleans now. Good for him. Genuinely happy for him. By the way, got our first like big domino in free agency that just fell five minutes ago. So this is breaking news. According to Shams and Woj, almost simultaneously, although according to my notifications, Shams got it first, so we'll give Shams the, the, the W in this regard. According to Shams, this is breaking news five minutes ago, James Harden is opting into his $35.6 million deal for next season in order for the 10-time All-Star and the 76ers to work together on a trade out of Philadelphia. So Harden's opting into the last year of his deal. So he's off. He's not going to. So that means Harden's not going to be a free agent, but they are going to move him. And Shams just tweeted. Okay, actually, Woj just won this battle too. Woj tweeted mere seconds ago. The Clippers and Knicks are expected to be among the teams that engage with the Sixers on a potential James Harden trade. Sources tell ESPN. Okay. So there you go. That's our again. That's our, our first big domino in free agency. So and Shams has reported that the Clippers are emerged. So Chris Haynes has reported this as well. The Clippers are interested. So obviously this is these are some of the best insiders in the league. They're all reporting basically the same thing. Okay. So there you go. So James Harden is not going to be on the open market as a free agent, but 
they can move or not. They can, they will move him. And you assume that if it's the Clippers, if it's the Knicks, if it's somebody else to come into the, into the mix that they, that they decide to, uh, assign him to a long-term deal or maybe in long, long-term, I would give it hard in like a two to three year deal with an, with a player option. How about I suggest this? Actually, I don't think they would do this, but just in a hypothetical situation, hypothetically, would Boston do it? Would Boston go after Harden? Now, this is why they're probably not going to do it. They have to give up Jalen Brown. I think. And they're first of all, the Sixers and Celtics are probably each other's biggest rivals. Although, you know, my rules for rivalry, it's got to be another one team wins, another team wins. And Philly has, has played the Celtics three times in the last five, six, seven years. Celtics have won all three times. So I shouldn't call it a rivalry. That's disrespectful to Boston. But point is they face each other in the playoffs seemingly year after year. Boston needs a point guard. They do. Let's see. Let's look at. So the Knicks are in the mix as well. I, the Knicks, to me, the Knicks, that makes no sense. They've already got Brunson. Brunson's their, because Harden's a point guard. Brunson's their guy. They're going to build around him. Why Why would they make a move for, for Harden? Now, again, that's only according to Woj. Shams and Chris Haynes have not reported that. I'm looking at potential teams here. Uh, I wouldn't rule out Milwaukee, potentially. I don't, I don't think Milwaukee would hesitate at that deal. Uh, looking at the West, I don't see anybody. Again, the Clippers are reportedly interested. Uh, Lakers, probably not. They don't have the cap space to try and make, bring back Austin Reeves. Okay, so I'll say the top two teams in the East, Milwaukee and Boston, will be in the mix. That's what I think. Okay, so there you go. First big domino in free agency just sort of fell. James Harden will be traded by Philadelphia. The question is to whom? According to the reports, it's Philadelphia. I'm sorry, it's Philadelphia. It's the Clippers. It's the Knicks. We'll see. Maybe something happens in tomorrow or before then. Very fascinating. It's weird. You have a guy who's going to be a free agent, opts into his deal, and is going to be moved. Very excited. Man, I cannot wait. I cannot wait, folks, for tomorrow's show. Carving it up, 2023 NBA free agency special. It's going to be very, very fun. All right. Let's have it. Let's do, speaking of fun, let's do one last segment. So, as some of you might be aware, yesterday was my 20th birthday. It feels weird. I know 20, 20 feels odd. I started podcasting at 16. I'm 29. I, I, I feel old. I already see some, some wrinkles. Shout out to my man AJ at the Campan Podcast. Point B. I decided, I'm like, okay, it's 20. So that's, that's a big one, right? It's, it's, it's you know, it's a, the first digit of your age is, is different than it was last year. What could I do for my show to to celebrate this? And so I thought, let's do it's, it's sort of like a Christmas list. I, I've never really heard a birthday wish list necessarily the way I do Christmas wish list. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 10 things 
that I want to see happen in sports in my 20s. So this is like a, if, if a birthday wish list is a real thing, then this is it. My birthday wish list or my decade long birthday wish list, technically things I want, the 10 things I want to see happen in sports in my 20s. So here we go. Let's get the background music going right here. Let's have some fun. All right, here we go. I've got 10 little graphics here. One to choose that. Okay, let, let, let's start with this first one. Because I really, I, this might be at the top, but not at the top of my list. There's some teams winning championships, obviously, included in this. Here's what I want to see. The first thing I want to see happen in sports while I'm in my 20s is that the beautiful city, my home, I don't live here, but I live in Tennessee, the beautiful city of Nashville getting an NBA team and a Major League Baseball team. Now, it has been discussed that should Major League Baseball increase or expand to from 30 teams to 32 teams, get two expansion teams, Nashville is very much in the mix. Nashville makes all the sense in the world. Now, I, I get an opportunity to clown Vanderbilt as a Tennessee fan. Uh, Vanderbilt is, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't even get to the College World Series, but then again, neither could we. Point is, Vanderbilt has been a college baseball powerhouse for decades. Why not put a Major League Baseball team there? And then at the NBA... They've got the arena, Bridgestone Arena, which which hosts the Nashville Predators of the NHL. They've got the arena. They just need to put the team there. Again, if the NBA were to expand, if a team were to, to move potentially, Nashville's a great city. Nashville's one of the, the, the fastest-growing cities in America, not to mention the Titans. Obviously, they got an NFL team, an NHL team, the Titans and the Preds. Well, the Titans in a few years, as I talked about in my show, I think I talked about in my show, are going to be getting a new stadium. So the Titans going to be getting this new, and it looks like SoFi. It looks like SoFi, but in, in the Music City. you you got to Google pictures of it. It's going to be incredible. So the Titans are going to going to get a new stadium. You would have an NBA team playing at Bridgestone Arena and a potential Major League Baseball team, considering that Vanderbilt has been like that. Think of them as the Alabama of college baseball. So you add an Add, uh, add a baseball team to that to that mix. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Nashville, let's get. And, and that, by the way, that's not to say I'll be a fan of. Uh, I'll I'll change my allegiance from the Red Sox and the Warriors to the Nashville whoever's or the Tennessee whoever's. But Nashville, let's get some. Let's get an NBA team. Let's get a, a Major League Baseball team. It's a beautiful city. Awesome people. Awesome atmosphere. Let's get two sports teams. Okay, next one. See, I'm looking here. All right, how about this one? And this one may surprise you because it does not involve a team in mind winning a championship, but it's a team that, and I don't think they're be that good this year for the record, which might be kind of controversial, but for the sake of the fan base, I genuinely want to see this team win a Super Bowl, and that's the Buffalo Bills. I want to see the Buffalo Bills be at this Super Bowl, be at a Super Bowl in the future, sometime in my 20s. Man, those fans are the best. I mean, can, can we all agree on that? We can't agree with anything in today's in today's society. Can we agree that the Buffalo Bills have the best fan base, definitely in the NFL, maybe in all of sports? And that, I mean, that's coming from a member of Dub Nation, Red Sox Nation, Vol Nation. I mean, come on, they're the best. Okay, like they are notorious. Like if a quarter, if a team wins a game. The best example is 2017. The Bills needed to win their last game of the season and hope that the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Baltimore Ravens in order to get to the playoffs. Buffalo won their game. They went to the locker room. They turned on the TV to watch Baltimore and Cincinnati. And remember Andy Dalton? It was like that fourth and a mile touchdown to Tyler Boyd. 
the and Bengals shocked the Ravens and the Bills made the playoffs and you know everybody's going crazy. It was a really cool scene. Well, well, the Bills fans donated a ton of money to Andy Dalton's charity. Matter of fact, when Andy Dalton and the Bengals played the Bills, either that season or the season after, Andy Dalton got a standing ovation. Like, that's that's the kind of fans they are. Not to mention the crazy psycho tailgates they have where they, they jump on off of, you know, off of truck beds onto burning tables. Okay, Bill's, Bill's tailgates are legendary. You, bet, you see what their tailgates are like. Can you imagine what a parade in Buffalo? Oh, my goodness. That would be must-see TV. I don't, I don't necessarily watch every single parade. Some I do, some I don't. I got, I, I got to get to my TV for that one. That would be a... Listen, some teams, some cities know how to, how to have fun and, and get down, and the players having a lot. Buffalo, oh my goodness. That city would, would lose its mind. It'd be incredible. I hope the Buffalo Bills win a Super Bowl in my 20s. Let's see this next one. Okay, here's an NFL rule I want to see changed. This is a rule. The removal of the onside kick in favor of fourth down and 25 from your own 10-yard line. Again, so I want to get rid of the onside kick entirely. I hate it. You see, see, back in the day, it used to be you had like a ten percent chance to recover the onside kick. That it's small, but ten percent, that, that, it's possible. You know, if there's a ninety percent chance of rain, well, there's a ten percent chance of won't. It, it is feasible that it could happen. It's supposed to be hard to get. That's the point. You want to give the advantage to the team that's winning. But. With some of the rule changes, by the way, with which I defend, they they keep the players safe. I'm all in favor of that. Anything that keeps the players safer in an inherently violent sport, the recovery rate is like 2% or less. It is nearly impossible. It is next to impossible to recover an onside kick in 2023. Other leagues have tried similar uh, solutions that, to, to what I have, have, have proposed. Again, let's say a team is down... 14 points. Let's say the Kansas City Chiefs trail the Cincinnati Bengals by 14 points with one minute left, and they score a touchdown. Kick the extra point, down seven. Instead of a, this has no chance of happening onside kick, no, you get fourth down and 25 from your own 10. It's possible, and you know what it also does? It does two things. One, it means this play is for everything, right? It means that you add another play that matters to the game. It's why I've always said, I always defended the NFL for for backing up the extra point. Maybe the extra point used to be from like the two-yard line. It was like, well, it's, it's automatic. They're going to make it. And then they moved it back to the 15 where it's like, they usually make it, but guys miss <clears throat> Brett Maher from time to time. It's possible to miss a 33-yard extra point. It made that play matter more. It added higher stakes to it. The same thing would happen with a fourth down and 25. And you know what it also does? The second thing? It rewards the teams with the best quarterbacks and the best weapons. And listen, do you want to see Mac Jones on a fourth down and 25 from his own 10? Or do you want to see Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, or Josh Allen and a fourth and 25 on their own 10? It rewards the teams with the best quarterbacks and the best weapons. That I want to see. Next, it's a championship wish. The Boston Red Sox win two World Series in my 20s. That's what I want to see happen. Listen. Uh, we're 40 and 41 this year. This is a rebuild year. Uh, I'm still not totally giving up on the the dream of making the playoffs, but I'm not going to be. I'm going to beside myself if we, if we miss it. It's a rebuilding year. Got some good young pieces. Again, I think if we could go get Shohei Otani, that would go a long way 
But listen, I said the Red Sox would own the 21st century, similar to how the Yankees owned the 20th century. We won two championships in the 2000s. We won another two championships in the 2010s. Is it crazy to say we could win two more in the 2020s? Just on the trajectory. Again, the Red Sox, as I mentioned earlier, are number one in titles one, World Series one in the 21st century. Just two. I'm not asking for five. I'm not like a dynasty or something, although I wouldn't be mad at that. But I feel like it'd be reasonable. Two titles. Two titles in between when I'm 20 and when I'm 29. Two titles. Now, some of that would obviously come in the 2030s, but you get the point. Let's get two more titles for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, next, let's see what we got. Uh, okay, how about this one? Allow players and coaches to vote for MVP. I've been saying this one for a while. Does that mean I, I think the, the, the media shouldn't get a vote? No, not saying that at all. I think if you if you if you're a trusted member of the media, you know, if you're if you're like um back in the day like a, a Rachel Nichols or a Chris Broussard, like absolutely give them give them votes for MVP. But is it entirely out of bounds to say, well, the guys who play against these MVP fine excuse me, finalists, and the guys who coach against these MVP finalists shouldn't at least have a say? Is that is that wild to throw out there? Allow the players and the coaches, the guys who face them on the court, on the field, elsewhere. Again, this is this applies to all sports. Allow them a vote for MVP. I, I'm all in favor of that. Uh, let's see. What do we got next here? Trying to find a, a good... Okay. De- I definitely want to see this happen. Please, please, God, let this happen. The Tennessee Vols in football break through and win three. You heard that, White. One, two, three national championships. By doing that, we, dare I say, might become a dynasty. Now, for the record, a team within our division, the SEC East, Georgia, not only owns the SEC, they own college football. They are currently, currently, the new dynasty. They won the last two national titles. They've got a great group of players coming back. They're dominating recruiting. Chris uh, Kirby Smart is a fantastic head coach. Alabama's kind of fading away. Who knows who their quarterback's going to be? It's a great opportunity for Tennessee with head coach Josh Heupel with this year, Joe Milton. In the future, Nico. I'm learning how to say his last name. I'm going to get it by the time he becomes the quarterback. And the way that they're dominating recruiting get through the SEC as much of a gauntlet it is, and then once you add Oklahoma, and especially Texas, it's going to be even tougher. Three national titles for Tennessee. Yes. Again, of all the of all the players and teams I'm wishing for championships, I ask for the most for Tennessee because I've never in my lifetime seen my balls. I was five years off. They won in, in January of 1999. I was born in June of 03. Four and a half years in between when they won a national title when I was born. I have never seen it with my own two eyes live in my lifetime. Three national titles for my balls. I got to see it. All right, let's see. What do we got next here? Okay, this is a big one for me. It's a big one for me. At least half of the NFL is made up of black coaches. We've talked about this for a long time on this show, on other shows. The lack of black coaches in the NFL is horrendous. I think I want to let me go through NFL teams right now. I think there's only three right now. Obviously, you got Mike Tomlin, who's been around for a while. Uh, look at NFL teams here. Uh, so you got Tomlin, Mike McDaniel, Robert Sala. Looking down more. T- uh, you got the kid who's uh, uh, D'Amico Ryan's in Houston. Okay, so there's more than three. That's good. Looking down further. 
Black coaches. Todd Bowles in Tampa. I guess that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. That's the we got five black coaches out of 32. In a league that is some statistics say 56%, others say 58, some have even said 60. In a league that's around 55 to 60% of players that are black in the NFL, is that crazy to ask for there to be half the league that is black? Now, again, for the record, I'm not saying that we should not give white coaches the opportunity just because they're white. I'm not throwing that out there. But could we give the black coaches the same opportunity, the same in many cases, benefit of the doubt as we would their counterparts of a different race? Is that crazy ask? I know that's a hot button issue. Nobody wants to talk about it. But it's been a problem in the NFL for a long time. Almost all of it stems from the owners. And we know that goes. The good old boys club. But I would love to see at some point in my 20s, half the league, half the NFL head coaches, be black. I'd love to see that. Just get given given the the the, the progress you made in that regard in terms of other leagues in the NBA is I think I think I think half of its league has black coaches, if I'm not mistaken. Um we gotta be better in that regard. NFL five is five is unacceptable. All right, next we've got all right. I like this one. Steph Curry wins two more championships in Golden State. I wanted to make that very clear. Steph wins two more titles in Golden State. Now, listen, if Steph were to, God forbid, leave the Warriors, I'd be a Warriors fan and a fan of wherever Steph goes. Because Steph, I've said before, is the guy who made me fall in love with the game of basketball. Back in 2013, became a fan of the Warriors. They won 50 games, lost the first round of the Clippers. Ever since, they became a dynasty, have won four titles, have been to six finals, and it has been a true joy watching this man and and Clay and Draymond and everybody uh, play the way that they do, especially with Coach Kerr, uh, for the past eight, nine years. If Steph gets two, let's just say Steph gets two. By the way, I don't think this is a crazy thing to say because I've said Steph will be the Tom Brady of the NBA. Not in that he'll be the greatest player ever, but in that his prime, because of how he plays and because of how he treats his body in the offseason and in season, his prime could last into his 40s. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Steph is still a not a top five player, but a very good player. Like top 10, top 15 at 40 years old. Would not shock me in the slightest. Um, so if he gets two titles, Steph gets two titles, I think he is undoubtedly the fourth greatest player of all time. He officially joins Mount Rushmore. I think it's LeBron, MJ, Kareem, Steph. I think Steph, all due respect to the late, great Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, but Steph would have more titles than Kobe, more championships than Kobe, and obviously would have a longer run of winning titles than Kobe, and then Magic as well. I'd love to see it. Steph winning two more championships in Golden State. Want to make that very clear. All right, let's see. What do we got for this one? All right. The first woman, I want to see this in my 20s, the first woman to be a head coach or in the case of Major League Baseball, manager in one of the three professional leagues. We're in 2023 and we still haven't made this happen. For the longest time, I thought it was going to be Becky Hammond, and it still could be Becky Hammond. Remember, she was the lead assistant in San Antonio with the Spurs under Pop, uh, but then she decided to take the job with the Vegas Aces and is crushing it uh, in the WNBA. I'd love to see Becky Hammond get a shot uh, as a head coach in the NBA. Love to see there's other leagues that have have women uh, coaches. Now, again, we, in the NFL, we probably will have to see a, a woman become an offensive or defensive coordinator, or even a special teams coordinator, potentially, before she gets a head coach job. But 10 years, I don't think that's unreasonable to, to ask. Could we see a woman be a head coach? Again, 
this this whole well you know women didn't play in college football well bill belichick never played in the nfl to my knowledge i don't think andy reed played in the nfl a lot of guys who were maybe good football players in, in high school or college but were never nfl good but they're tremendous head coaches the whole you didn't play thing flat out does not apply to coaching at any level it doesn't it can help you but in many instances, we've seen a lot of former players that have bombed as as, as, as coaches, be it in the NFL, NBA, and, and otherwise, Major League Baseball. I'd love to see a woman become a head coach, or in the case of baseball, a manager of a major professional sports team. I think we have a couple more. Let's see. No, I th- actually, I think this is the very last one. My last wish. And Oh, what I would, what I'd love to see this happen. Simple as this. Dak Prescott wins a Super Bowl. I don't care if it's in Dallas. I prefer it be otherwise, but if it's in Dallas, great. But listen, most of you know I'm a massive Dak fan. I have I've loved Dak since he was at Mississippi State. I said in March of 2016, unfortunately I did not have Carby up live back then, but hand to God, I was a Cowboys fan back then. In 2016, March 2016, NFL Network ran a special on Dak Prescott. I was like, Man, I hope we draft that dude. Have have him back up Romo, and 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 groom him to become the next star quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, as it turned out, they did draft him. I was jumping up and down my basement watching that draft. I was so excited. But Romo goes down in the preseason game against Seattle. Dak steps in, and Dak's been the guy ever since in Dallas. He is. 100% one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. Is he top five? No, he's not Burrow. He's not Mahomes. He's not Trevor or Josh Allen. For the moment, I'm not quite sure he's Jalen Hurts. He's not Lamar or Rodgers, but he's right in that 8-9 spot. He's in that discussion with Herbert and Carr and Cousins and Goff. He's right in that number eight, number nine spot for me. Again, as I've always said, if your stats are top 10, your wins are top 10, you're probably like a top 10 quarterback. You know, if it's, a, it's my man Ryan Flowers repeats the old phrase on his show, Clutch Sports Talk, shout out to Ryan. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. It's probably a top 10 quarterback if you put up the top 10 numbers and top 10 in the NFL and wins since you entered the NFL. Not to mention he is a fantastic human being. He just won the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Uh, he's been obviously incredibly vulnerable about his mental health. He's done so much for cancer research, for mental health. For um for systemic racism in America, so God bless Dak Prescott, man. I would freaking love, <laughs> I'd love to see that man win a Super Bowl. So like, be it in Dallas, be it elsewhere, it would be absolutely awesome to see that. Okay, so the ten things I want to see happen in my twenties. Ten things. That's it. Ten birthday wishes for my twenties that I want to see happen. Steph Curry winning two more championships and winning them in Golden State. The Tennessee Vols in football breaking through and winning three national titles. This right here is a big one for me. Nashville getting an NBA team and a Major League Baseball team. The Buffalo Bills and their fans. I wanted to include the fans because the fans are awesome. Finally winning a Super Bowl. Allowing players and coaches in all of the leagues to have a vote for MVP. The removal of the onside kick in favor of fourth down and 25 at your own 10. At least half of the NFL, at least one point, being made up of black coaches, black head coaches. The first woman to be a head coach or manager, in the case of baseball, in one of the three major professional leagues. Dak Prescott winning a Super Bowl. And the Boston Red Sox winning two World Series. All ten of those things I want to see happen in my 20s. If that is the case, I would be very, very excited. 
Before we get out of here, we do have a couple, and this is a good like preamble for tomorrow for the Carving It Up free agency special. A couple of free agent news here. According to Shams Sharania, okay, according to Shams Sharania, the New Orleans Pelicans are declining forward Herb Jones's $1.8 million team option for next season, which clears the way for Jones to be a restricted free agent and for the sides to work toward a long-term extension. I assume they'll keep him. He's a very good defensive player, a capable three-point shooter. And then Shams and Woj both reported uh, New York's Knicks guard slash forward Josh Hart has opted into his $12.9 million contract to return for the 2023-2024 season. So we've gotten some big free agent news on today for Carving Up Live. Very excited about that. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris, Kyrie Irving, uh, having a meeting with the Phoenix Suns. Please, please, God, let this happen. I, uh, Matt Ishbia, if you're listening, please sign Kyrie Irving. It'll have to be through a sign-in trade because I have to move DeAndre Ayton. Please, please make this deal. I want to see it happen. I want to see this crash and burn. I got to see this. But the stuff that happened during our show, because that was earlier today, uh, James Harden opting into the last year of his deal in Philadelphia, but they're going to trade him. And reportedly the Clippers and the Knicks are interested. I suggested Milwaukee and Boston. It would be a terrible idea for either to go after him. Although Boston, I think it'd be tougher. Uh, The Pelicans declining Herb Jones's... uh, $1.8 $1.8 million team option, which clears the way for him to be a restricted free agent, and the size reportedly want to work toward a long-term deal. And finally, Josh Hart, very productive player, by the way, has opted into his $12.9 million contract to come back to the New York Knicks. There you go. And that's just a that's just a little slice. Had a little bit of birthday cake yesterday. That's just a little tiny slice of cake of what we're going to see tomorrow. So with that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Again, a little bit earlier than usual, so I appreciate everybody stopping by uh, and tuning in the show. Uh, be sure to catch Carving Up Live, not just any episode uh, of Carving Up Live, but the Carving Up Live, uh, the Carving Up Live free agency, NBA free agency special is tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, which, thank you, Adam Silver, is exactly to the T. When free agency starts in the NBA, going to have some guests in the show. Looking forward to that. Uh, so definitely tune in tomorrow. ton of free agency, free agency talk, which is NBA free agency is nothing but chaos, which, you know, to quote my man, uh, Patrick Brown, the host of the Chaotic Sports Podcast. I think he's got a new episode coming soon, so tune in for that on the grid. You got to love to see the chaos. And that's what we're going to see in the NBA tomorrow in free agency. So yeah, tune in, Carving It Up, NBA free agency special tomorrow, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time, Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, and comment. And to take, take, take two seconds out of your day and hit that big red subscribe button. I'm talking too fast. I'm excited about tomorrow. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. And we would be delighted here at the Grid if our if our list of shows are part of your repertoire, part of your, your favorite, favorite podcast. All right. NBA free agency tomorrow. We'll see us. We'll see you then. Again, last time. NBA free agency starts right when Carving It Up Live typically starts at 6 Eastern, 6 p.m. Eastern, by the way, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And we'll obviously be live on Twitter and on YouTube for that. 
Have a great evening, everybody. Again, thank you so much for the birthday wishes. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to call your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. We've got to fix this, so we got to do our part uh, to fight this horrible problem in America. Have a great evening, y'all. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Free agency going to be crazy. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.